Welcome to the Sports Predictor Podcast. I'm your host, Al Walsh. We're brought to you by SportsPredictor.com, where professional bettors share their best plays. Get the winning edge by subscribing to the Sports Picks packages from long-term winning bettors. Once again, that's SportsPredictor.com. Also, make sure you follow us on Twitter at PredictorHQ. Once again, at PredictorHQ. Today's guest is Robert Walker. Uh, he does sportsbook operations for usbookmaking.com. His company is responsible for operations on retail sportsbooks. Uh, Robert also worked for Boyd Gaming, MGM Mirage, and Resorts World Bimini uh, before landing in his current role. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at RobertUSFSports. Once again, at RobertUSFSports. Thanks for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So your your job title sounds like a very fun one, one that many of us would love to have out here uh, in the sports betting world. So uh, can you run us through what a normal day is like for you and, you know, exactly what sportsbook operations actually entails? Yeah, I don't want to get too complicated because I don't I, I always think that the better my bosses don't know what I do, the better off I am. So even better. But I mean. Yeah, so you know, basically, as you can imagine, we we come in each day. We we either set the lines. When, and setting the lines is is kind of different than when I was at the Stardust. We were the opening number for, you know, the line that stretched across America. That's before, basically, before online. So basically, now we just kind of look and see what numbers are out there. Kind of put up a a consensus or what they call a market number now. So that's what we do with our books is put up basically a market number. And then after that, we let the pros uh, bet into it um, and that, you know, they don't have to bet first. The public can bet as well. And uh, they move the numbers and and we just take bets all day long. So uh, we do that every single day. And and then obviously on the weekends, you know, we have a ton of college football. And then Sunday, which is, you know, uh, one of my favorite days because it's just so, you know, it's, it's fairly easy, but a lot of stress because you got a big games. But it's my favorite day to watch the games. And, and then we rinse and repeat every single day, you know, depending on on the uh you know the the day or the or the month you know college basketball getting ready to start here another you know six weeks or so and then uh that'll be really exciting but right now um it's kind of the same same for us every single day just put the lines up take the bets hopefully win a few so i'm always interested in this when when making lines and i know you know again if i uh if I go too deep with this question, just let me know. But I'm always interested in how a line actually comes to be. Now, is it as simple as just weighing, you know, certain statistics against one uh, team and how they play against each other? Or are there some just, like, absolute crazy things that none of us would ever, ever even think about? No, I think, you know, I can tell you when I first got to Stardust in the early 90s, uh, 1991, I think, we, you know, since we were the first line up, we went up on Sunday night for the – games the next week and then we went up each night for the following day's game so we were definitely the opening line so then i had seven uh, odds makers i made a line myself and you know i basically use just uh, power ratings as you can imagine and, okay. and a lot of math and for pictures and and that kind of thing and then we we'd have six or seven numbers we back then we had a uh, las vegas sports consultants which is uh, michael roxborough roxy roxborough sure. uh, providing us a number we usually would key off of that number for the most part uh, now it's not it's not it's not as glamorous as you think. It's uh, it's really we're looking to see what uh, I I kind of just look at what the offshore is. I mean you know I I mean I hate to get down into it too deep, but um, it's nothing that you'd say oh my gosh there's some insight here. There's very little insight. We basically you know are able to see every line across the uh, you know the U.S. and and offshore, and we kind of take you know certain books. Everybody has their favorite books that they monitor. We monitor those books and we kind of use a consensus number that the reality is if, if you have an opinion in this business uh 
you really should be on the other side of the counter. You know, we're just not that good. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I tell everybody, you know, if you want to make your bet, go ahead, but don't shade the number. So it, it really comes down to the end of the day. It's really, this is the only factor that we care about. You know, what's the market number and what's the public going to bet? We already know the public loves to bet the favorite. We know the public lo- loves to bet the over. So we do shade those kind of games. Uh, so there's some inherent value in both the dog and the in the in the under with uh, with most I think most books that consider themselves local. Um, so I mean if you think offshore you would think of Bovada, right? There's definitely some value with the under and the uh, in the um, in the underdogs, uh, and that's kind of think how most local books, and that's all we do. So then we watch those books to see which way the pros are betting, and you know we have our own pro players. If we get hit, we move aggressively on them, and at the end of the day. You know, we all try to do the same thing, I would think, and that's try to get on the side of the pros. You know, we want the, you know, it's the so-called sharp money. We book to that and uh, and let the public just hammer away after that. So it's not, there's no really magic, you know, bullets or anything. And, and for the most part, you know, the only thing I can tell you is that the mistakes that we make are, are always if we open a favorite too low because we know the public wants to play the favorite. Right. What I don't want is the favorite, the public and the pros on the on the favorite because that's, you know, that gets us in a position where we're really lopsided and have no ability to get two-way, which we don't seek two-way, by the way. I don't want it. That's a misnomer <laughs> uh, pretty much. But I want to make sure that, you know, that we don't get hit with the pros and the public on the on the favorites. Gotcha. Don't worry. And that question was just more of a fascination. I'm not trying to get any tips of the trade here. No worries. <laughs> so um, so uh, usbookmaking.com, uh, you guys do uh, operations for retail sports books. Uh, so, you know, who are some of your clients? And, you know, obviously, you know, we're going to know one way or the other, you know, once you start naming them, you know, if they're a big dog or not. But, you know, what, what's the best part of working with these different companies? Well, right now we we run two sports books in 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 Albuquerque, New Mexico. We were the first sports book in in New Mexico. We run Santa Ana sports book, uh, uh, and then we run a, another property in in Albuquerque called Isleta. Right. Uh, they opened up just last month. So those are the two we have uh, signed contract uh, with a with a company in Iowa that I can't name right now. We're just sure. waiting uh, to uh, that'll be a retail. Uh, sports book but more importantly it'll be our first mobile we can't really do mobile in in new mexico right now it's not legal so okay. um we'll go in we'll have a full you know mobile uh, presentation and which we're excited about because you know in-game wagering is kind of where it's at right now and we can't it really doesn't work very well at a retail level mm-hmm. it works because it's just not it's just numbers change too rapidly by the time you tell the teller you want to make a bet it's already changed so we'll be there and we have uh we've done some consulting for some Big companies that I can't name right now, but we're hoping to be in Indiana um, and some other properties pretty soon, as well as Colorado. So there's uh, there's several states, and of course, obviously, we're in negotiations with companies in Michigan, Oregon. Um, you know, so uh, you know, it just it's just you know, you got to sell yourself. You got to you know, we bring uh, a lot of experience, a wealth of experience. You know, uh, Vic Salerno is the owner of, of U.S. Bookmaking. He's the only ha- a member of the Sports Gaming uh, Hall of Fame in Nevada. So. I think it kind of, it's it's a, it's it's membership is one, which is he is. So, um, so you know, it's a it's an exciting company to work for, and uh, you know, this passport be getting repealed, as you know, and I'm sure you've talked about it. It's been yeah. uh, just a great opportunity for all of us. But there's so much competition out there, as you you know, you know, the DraftKings, the FanDuel's, the the GVCs, the you know, William Hills of the world. So, you know, we're carving out our own niche, you know, with smaller properties, but. Uh, you know, we think at some point we'll be able to compete in, you know, in a, in a much larger arena. 
So I'm interested as a guy who, you know, who lives in New Jersey. I know you're based out there in Las Vegas. I mean, what, what's the, the, the business like out there in New Mexico? I mean, we got a lot of people out there betting or is it sort of, you know, kind of waiting to hit its big moment? No, I think it's been pretty good. Remember, it's retail only, so that's always a, you know. But it's it's retail only with it, both great properties. I, I liken those properties to like a Red Rock in in Nevada. I, I don't. I've not been to New Jersey, so I can't liken them to a casino there. But it's got they're very bad. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> but they're very nice casinos. They do a, a great business. A uh, lot of obviously, as you can imagine, very uh, really both local uh, type casinos. Uh, do a gang up business, so we've been really, uh, really happy. Uh, where, like I said, we would like to see you know mobile wagering eventually. So we would take advantage of people. You know, don't have to come back into the book. You know, they make their bets. They they don't have to come back in uh, to make the second half. Or so what happens is we haven't seen a lot of uh, in game wagering. Uh, you know, possibilities or even halftime has kind of suffered. So um, we think eventually. You know that'll happen, but it's it's been very good. I mean, and our partners are phenomenal, and we couldn't, have, you know, they took a chance on us. You know, I think uh, um, it, based on the compact, you know, New Mexico still doesn't have legal sports wagering outside of the, the Native American reservation, so their compact said it was okay, and we we went and did it, and and we've been we started in October of last year with Santa Ana, and we just started last month with Isleta. So, and we when we looks like we're going to open up at least one more property. Um, in New Mexico here very shortly in the next month and a half or so. So we're, we're been, been very excited, but obviously, you know, New Mexico has been great for us, but there's, you know, we want to get into Iowa as quick as possible. And we're, like I said, we're kind of in a holding pattern based on some, uh, gaming regular regulatory issues, some, um, going through lab certifications is basically what's slowing us down. So once we get all that done up and we'll be up and running there and be able to compete because, uh, you know, like I said, there's uh, a tremendous market. So we're not going to be first to market, but I think, it's really important. I say this all the time. You can be first to market or you can be best to market. And uh, it's great if you're best and first to market, but, right. you know, only one person can be first to market. So, you know, we've been, this has given us an opportunity to work on, you know, our offerings. And we do think our in-game wagering will be second to none. Uh, at least that's, you know, what we're hoping. So I, I know that we talked a little bit here about uh, mobile betting and, you know, how important that is. You know, here in Jersey, we have it and it's bringing in 80% of the income that or you know, 80% of the wagers placed are coming via mobile. Uh, is there any way that you guys are able to be more influential in the way states get it done quicker or is that more of a, a government thing? Well, it's a regulatory issue, right? And so we've been frustrated, you know, because, I mean, everybody's trying to reinvent the wheel. Uh, We don't understand a lot of the stuff that what they've tried to do. I mean, I was a really good example of of just a complete um, uh, tanking what they've done here. What they've, you know, it's a great uh, state and we can't wait to be in there. But, you know, 18 months, you have to go uh, sign up locally for 18 months and then you can do remote signups. It makes no sense whatsoever. Uh, so they took Nevada, which doesn't allow remote signups, and that's based on, you know, a couple big casinos here, uh, sports books that don't want you to have remote signups because they don't want a small uh, casino, you know, uh, being able to compete with a place that has 20, 20 properties. So the right. place that has the most properties, so so that makes no sense whatsoever. And and I know some places are trying to be punitive to towards. FanDuel and DraftKings because they they think they have an unfair advantage. But remember, FanDuel and DraftKings paid, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars for their acquisition. So I, I don't begrudge them one second that they have a better database than we do, you know. But don't 
punish the players by making them come into a place that, you know, to sign up when you don't, you don't need to. So, um, but we'll, you know, so we, you know, we've been at all the hearings, you know, Vic Salerno has been at several meetings uh, trying to get, uh, you know, trying to help them with legislation. If they'll listen, it's just the, the problem is, you know, it comes down to there's a lot of greed involved. You know, uh, uh, you look at D.C. and Oregon. I couldn't tell you what they were possibly thinking. I, I do know this. I, I say this all the time. If if the lottery gets involved, it'll probably be a terrible, terrible solution. So, um, you know, I, I think we're going to see that in, in Oregon. I mean, we, we already see what the problems in D.C. Are, are. So, you know, anybody that wants monopoly, it screws the customer. You know, the one thing. You know, when we talk about all the competition and all the stuff that's going on, the one thing that I will say is that this is a golden era for the consumer. The consumer is getting the very best number. They're getting the most uh, rebates, the most bonuses, the most everything, because everybody's worried about acquisition and player retention. So it's as good as it's going to get right now. But if you go with a single market solution um, or high taxes or other things that are punitive to the operator or to the consumer – it just doesn't. It's just a no. It's just a not a win situation, and the consumer will continue to bet offshore with their, you know, their bookie down the street. So, uh, we try to we try to teach, you know tell them this, and you know we think Nevada's, with the exception of remote signups, the Nevada um, way we do sports betting is the right way to go. It's a, it's low tax rate. It's uh, you know we pay the point two five percent, but it's really the, the I think the gold standard for. Uh, for all the other states, but you know, for some reason that some of the states don't even look at it. Yeah. So uh, let's go back to, I guess, the relationship with your, the, uh, the sports books that you operate with. Uh, you know, when, when a sports book hires uh, usbookmaking.com, are they, you know, how, how does the response, the, the pie of responsibility decision-making go? Do you guys get a lot more say? Do they, is it 50, 50? How does that work? Well, at the end of the day, the, our locations in the Metro, they, they determine the limits. Uh, so it, that's up to them. Uh, yeah, they If they want us to extend to them, then we do so. They tell us that they would like us to extend when we take it. We, um, it, they're very, it It's very, very adamant that they are in control of the limits. Um, so we adhere to those completely, almost to to where, you know, some people might get upset. <laughs> because, but it's their limits. We don't, you know, it's not like being at the MGM Mirage where, you know, I could say, hey, that guy's a, you know, a purple plus player or a platinum player and let's give him three times the limit. We don't we don't do that unless they tell us to or they say it's OK. So um, but as far as the day to day management goes on the we're really just a risk management company. So we take the best, decide which way to move it, how much to take back against it uh, or not take back against it. That's the stuff that we do. And then we help, you know, we train, obviously, the writers, we bring the software equipment. Um, so that's all up to us. Uh, um, and then we help them with any audit functions or anything else that they have. But as far as the limits and that kind of stuff goes, that's completely dependent on them. But as far as the, like I said, the line movement and the action is, is up to us. Okay. Well, enough about the business aspect of all this stuff. Let's get into a little more personal stuff because, you know, I think this is kind of, you know, why we brought you on the pod here. It's, uh, it's interesting to know the man behind this position. So what, uh, what do you, what do you find to be the most rewarding and difficult parts of your job? I, I think without a doubt the the most rewarding part is just the actual, you know, I, I call it competition, but just competing, you know, on a daily basis with the, with the players, you know, I, I love the, you know, the wins and losses and sure. taking the bets and posting the props and, and then sweating out the games. You know, I, I semi-retired for four years uh, after I left the Mirage and, 
and moved to Washington so my daughter could go up to high school there. And boy, I couldn't even watch a game. I couldn't watch a game because I said, how do you watch these games without having any action on it? You know, so the great thing about being in the sportsbook business is we have action on every single game. Yeah. Um, the downside of that is I hate every team because every team's, <laughs> you know, every team's cost us money at some point. So, I mean, sure. I just, you have favorite players, but you hate, you may even root against that player on a, on a, on whatever, you know, we root for whoever the book needs. So that's your favorite team is whoever the book needs, you know, but it's, uh, you know, there's a camaraderie. I also enjoy the, you know, my peers in the industry, you know, I've been in the industry for a long time now and, and growing up with a lot of guys and, you know, I've, uh, seen my, one of my, uh, assistant run, ran the MGM Mirage after I left and then my other assistant is running Boyd Gaming right now after I left Boyd Gaming so I think there's reward in seeing that so you kind of have a you know some people that are on the same page as you are so uh, and it's really a small tight-knit group in Nevada now obviously it's going to get bigger and better as we move outside of Nevada but uh, I think that's the most rewarding the most frustrating thing is always um in, and it's like this in any business, I'm sure in yours as well. But when you, no matter how much effort you put into the, to what you do, you can't control the results always. So, you know, you work just as hard on a Sunday when you get crushed as a Sunday when you, you, you had a good Sunday. So it's, it's, sometimes it's hard to come in on Monday morning, you know, upbeat when you had a terrible, terrible Sunday or a terrible Saturday and, sure. and, and you got to repeat the whole process again. So, uh, you know, and it's just, you know, once the game starts, once the halftime starts, you know, you're, you're out of it. You have no say in the, in the decision. So, you know, and that's, that's frustrating. So, uh, but I mean, I, I, but I've been doing it for so long though. I understand, uh, you know, I, when I first got into the business 35 years ago, they said, don't ever sweat out the games. And, and I've done nothing since for 35 years, I sweat every game out. So, uh, yeah. uh which is why my favorite sport is WNBA because really? we, yes, because we have small uh, decisions and I can root for whoever I want to. <laughs> so gotcha. I can watch it without pain, you know, a pain, you know, any pain involved. So, uh, you know, I, I do, I do love the WNBA, but I think, like I said, I, I think this is, you know, you know, at the end of the day, I never want to overstate how much fun this is. I mean, you know, it's like a Disneyland for adults. We get paid to watch games. I mean, what could be better, honestly? Right. Well, I was trying to think of something, but no, I couldn't think of anything. So <laughs> I know that you were talking about the um, the in-game wagering aspect of things. Now, um, I get the, you know, with the two, I guess, physical properties that you guys have there or that you're operating out there in New Mexico, uh, you were saying it's a little different, but uh, you have worked in some aspect with, with live wagering during NFL, right? Yeah, we have. We actually tried it a couple times, a few times at both New Mexico properties over the counter. Uh, but we're kind of just getting ready, gearing up for uh, Iowa and some other jurisdictions where we'll have it on the phone. And, and I, I think what we're doing there is we're trying to bring best, um, you know, best practices to every sport. The reality is no one data feed and algorithm is the best in any sport. So we're trying to find out, you know, what, what is the best, uh, you know, for, you know, football, for, for college basketball, mm -hmm. for, and the, and the, the key here is I think, I think this is the key to to um, and how I, I would like to do things differently than what I did in Nevada is we kind of controlled what you can bet. You know, we didn't take a lot of soccer. We didn't take a – you know, and I think that was a mistake in hindsight. Well, I'm sure it was a mistake. What we should have done is put everything up and let you decide what you want to bet, and that's kind of our MO with uh, in-game wagering. We want to put up as much as we can. I don't care if it's a secondary – you know, college basketball game. Obviously, we have hundreds of college basketball games on a daily basis. And, you know, you decide if you want to bet an end game. If you want to watch that game on TV and bet in game, that's up to you. So we need to make sure we have a good number. 
um, that reflects what the actual you know spread should be during that game. And if we do, we want to put that up and and let you bet. Very cool. So. I, I, I'm always fascinated by this. I think, you know, live betting for football is probably one of the best. I think live betting for baseball is god-awful. I think it should be done away with. Basketball, I really like doing the live wagering. But, I mean, what what does a computer look like during during a game with live bet, like live betting, like with the lines going and everything? I mean, how, how do you guys react to that? Um, you know, just what's that whole scene like on a game day? Well, it's it's the the reality is with our system right now we're we're actually manually inputting live game for so what we did for football for college football and pro football is we do commercial only so uh, and 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 I, where I where I think this is a big deal is there's no down period right so we don't we don't have to say listen the line moved so each commercial is like a halftime so we put the line up anybody can bet it we we adjust it accordingly like based on who plays it. And I think football is, you know, football is a game designed for television. So it makes perfect sense in football. College basketball, the problem with college basketball or any basketball, I should say college or pro or even WNBA, is it changed so much on every single basket sure. that it, it's it's going to be, it's going to become, and then what happens, I think the public gets frustrated because they have to wait. You know, there's a six second, eight second delay. And I tell people count to six and eight and see how long that is. And then do that over a course of a game. You're frustrated. So, yeah. you know, we're, you, we, we're actually um, looking at a company called Deck Prism Sports, which you can – any of your readers can uh, – listeners can pull up online. It's deckprismsports.com. They're offering some free uh, – from for free in-game, and you can see kind of what kind of what we're talking about when it comes to um, uh, commercial timeouts. And that's kind of be our – that will probably be our de facto uh, in-game wagering for U.S. sports. Now, for European sports, obviously, you, you know, you're looking at – a lot of different aspects. You're looking at Bet Radar and Bet Genius. You know, we're just so you know, as a company, we're we're highly opposed to playing the leagues any kind of commission for for um, data feeds. We think that uh, they that's make just an, uh, they make enough as it is already. Well, it's a shakedown. It's a shakedown. I call it extortion, but I get in trouble for saying that. But it's a shakedown by the leagues to get us. You know, the the leagues will make their money off of more increased viewership. You know, I mean, uh, I can tell you. Was it last Monday? Albuquerque had the fifth highest rated market for uh, for the Monday night game, and wow. uh, and, and that was with Philadelphia and I think Atlanta. So if you take Philadelphia and Atlanta out of the mix, Albuquerque was number three. And I now obviously I, I wouldn't take credit for all that because we have two sports books down there, but I guarantee it didn't hurt. You know, so yeah. um, so I think you know they'll get they'll get their money through uh, additional revenue that way. So you know it's just a matter of uh, you know it's just a matter of uh, uh, you know, there's just there's a lot that we need to do on the in-game wagering, um, and there's a we're gonna, but we just want to make sure that we have the best product that's the most fan friendly. Where, like I said, people don't, and like you said in baseball, it's really tough because uh, baseball is a tough sport. I think baseball, if they're not careful, is gonna go the way of boxing. You know, the games are three and a half hours long. It's just way, way too. You need to get this game down to about two and a half hours. You know, make it where people can actually go do stuff. We, we lament about soccer all the time, right? But soccer. In, in Asia and in, in Europe is about 80% done in-game in wagering because it doesn't matter when you come in and uh, because there's not a lot of scoring, but there's not a lot of timeouts. There's not a lot of downtime, which in baseball, it's just nothing but downtime. So if they don't do something, you know, and I'm a huge baseball fan, but they've got to get these games down. I mean, it's just, it's, it's gotten just so bad and it's only gotten worse over the years. Um, and, and like I said, in-game wagering, what I think would be big in baseball if they could do it in a timely fashion. 
Yeah, I think the the biggest thing that, you know, as a consumer that I don't like about live betting is I think most of us, you know, we watch our TV streaming or, you know, we watch these games streaming so that by the time that line comes out, you know, we're already behind the curve. And, you know, that's just that's a lot of people out there that have that same aspect. But I don't know. I I feel with baseball, you know, they they jack up the lines too much. Like I'm I'm a user of FanDuel Sportsbook. And, you know, like one guy gets on base and all of a sudden the total jumps up a run, you know, like I don't think it has to be that dramatic. But again, I think that, you know, there's a lot of trial and error that's going on here, uh, you know, within the first year of all this stuff. Well, and they're tweaking their algorithm. So it's, it's so what happens, you have this data feed, right? So this data feed comes in and just tells you time and distance and score, right? So, you know, what, how much time's left, what the score is and what the, the line should be. And a, a lot of it's based on the closing line, right? So um i i think the, the and that's the problem so every every company has a different algorithm so if your algorithm is not very good then you have to have an eight ten second delay which just gives you the ability to tell anybody that can bet a lot of money that they can't have the bet you know yeah. so basically it's just giving us a chance to say no you, you get nothing on this so that's why we kind of like the uh we kind of we're kind of migrating towards the uh commercial um model even though you have to wait the reality is you wait for the commercial then you can get down on it there's no like I said, there's no six-second delay. There's no two-second delay. Just right when you make the bet, you get it. It's, it's done. You move on. So, um, you know, like I said, I think that model works good. Now, whether it works in baseball, I'm not sure. I agree with you in baseball. Uh, when it first came out a few years ago, I couldn't believe how they overreacted to the team scoring one run in the first inning. I'm like, holy cow, you got to yeah. take the, you got to take the home team plus right now because you're you're you've over exaggerated this number. Is I think the the uh, the data feeds and the algorithms from offshore firms that it has been horrific for the U.S. market, uh, but they're getting better. You know, it's like anything else. You know, um, you know we can come. I can complain about all these, you know, different platforms, but the reality is they kind of elevated everybody's game. And and I've already seen some really really in, uh, increases in how good they are in the last you know nine months. I mean, so you know they they had some crazy lines when they first opened up. They had forty sixty cent lines. You know, because based on liquidity, that's not how the U.S. market works. It's like they never looked at the U.S. market before they came over here. Um, and a lot of that had to do with iGaming. You know, their iGaming platforms, they came over, plugged in a sportsbook platform from Europe that didn't understand, the, you know, they didn't have team in total. They don't have teasers. You know, the whole thing was just a, a nightmare. Uh, but I've already seen they got better. And, and some of the stuff they do is really, really good. From a marketing standpoint, some of these platforms are phenomenal. But... You know, the in-game wagering is going to be where it's at, I mean, eventually, because people miss games. You know, they don't get off until 4.30. They want to bet the game when they get off and yeah. or when they go watch it. And I think so. We think in-game wagering is going – and obviously online gaming in general is going to be just monstrous. And, and really, you got, you got to be prepared and set up for that. Cool. All right. So uh, we're coming up on the end of our time here. One final question. Always ask this with our sports book guys. So if you were granted the ability to create the perfect sports book, what would that look like? I know you gave a little bit of insight to that, but we can piggyback on it. And uh, if you were going to create this perfect sports book, who would be the, the perfect spokesman for this marketing campaign? Oh, wow. That is, that's such a great question. And I, I saw that question and I, and I thought about it. I, you know what? I, I think hopefully the sports book would speak for itself at the end of okay. the day. I mean, my first, always my first go-to is Charles Barkley, just because I, <laughs> I, I love listening to him. I think, I think people uh, uh, like him. I don't know a lot of people that dislike him. So you want to get somebody that's likable, sure. hasn't alienated everybody. But I think the, uh, at the end of the day, no spokesperson, the book stands for itself, and we get, uh, 
you know, you get acquisition and, and market retention through word of mouth. And I think that, and if we do everything right, that's kind of where we're going. We're going we're gonna to try to get people to come into our book and see it. If they see it the first time, we think they'll stay. So it has to be, you know, you have to have as many offerings. You have to have a line that's legitimate, uh, consistently legitimate. And, you, and you, you have to be customer service friendly. And I know that it's such a cliche, right? How am I going to be customer service friendly? And I think that goes to the fact like in-game wagering, we don't make you wait. We don't have a six to second, uh, eight second delay. Uh, we take bets more than, you know, every bet gets $100. There's no $12 bet or we're going to reduce it. If you can't take a $100 bet, then I don't think you should be, uh, you shouldn't be booking that product uh, is my opinion. So I think those little things will, will be the best spokesperson that you could ever have. And, and I think that's what we're at. We aspire to, and I think we're going to be able to get there. And once we get there, uh, you'll be the first to see it. Hopefully. Very cool. Very cool. All right. So our guest today with Robert Walker, uh, sportsbook operations for usbookmaking.com. Make sure you go check out their site. Once again, uh, you know, Robert has done lots of jobs out here in uh, sportsbook operations, working for Boyd gaming, MGM Mirage, uh, resorts, world Bimini as well, uh, before landing here at us bookmaking, uh, Thank you for coming on the uh, program today. Oh, and once again, don't forget to follow him on Twitter at Robert USF Sports. Uh, any anything else you'd like to say in closing? No, just good luck, everybody. I know it was a rough weekend yesterday, uh, so just uh, next week's a new week, and go get them. All right, very cool. All right, once again, folks, we are the Sports Predictor Podcast. Uh, check us out on sportspredictor.com, where professional bettors share their best plays. Get the winning edge by subscribing to the Sports Picks packages from long-term winning bettors. Once again, sportspredictor.com. And also, make sure you follow us on Twitter at PredictorHQ. Uh, Robert Walker, thanks again for joining us. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. All right, very cool. All right, folks, we will be back this week with more podcasts. See you later.